0: at ChristianCrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders.
1: Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast. I've got Andrew with me, and Andrew, this is an interview with Jeff Dixon that we were both in on.
2: Yeah, co-hosting a little bit. You were probably more hosting, but yeah, I get to sit in on this one and, and talk a little bit to you.
1: What did you think uh, about it?
2: I loved him. It was, it was really interesting to hear. Uh, He's done a lot of stuff, and and uh, he really has just sort of been open to where God has led him, and and that was um, I think that shines through in this interview.
1: So Jeff is a pastor in Orlando. Yep. Sounds like he was born and raised in Orlando. Uh huh. Yep. And he actually looks like Jesus would have looked if I he had lived so to be too. like yeah. sixty or whatever, <laughs> yeah. fifty. I don't know how yeah. old he is, but uh-huh. white hair and a beard and
2: yeah, all kind of fluffy, flowing. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but no, I thought it, it was really interesting to hear. Uh, you know, he's he he really has just done so many different things and and you know gotten the chance to to share his faith and it, solid faith guy too. Um, he's but, way into
1: Disney like you.
2: Yeah, really into Disney and has written a bunch of books uh, like like it, sort of action adventure novels that take place at Disney. Uh, but the main character is a pastor and. I'm I'm, I'm going to read them. I mean, I'm I'm kind of excited to read. Him. We, he gave us a complimentary copy of one of them, but he's he's done five and he's got a six coming out. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped for that.
1: You kind of are a Disney geek yourself, so yeah. I mean, were you clicking with him and vibing with him? Oh yeah,
2: definitely. And and there's a lot of us I think who who are big Disney fans that kind of feel the same. We did we we touched on on sort of controversy in the in the news. Uh, and you'll hear about kind of how he's, uh, he's, he so he's he feels like a lot of us do like well, the current Disney policies are kind of sort of going off the rails from from a lot of the values I mean they've never been they've never been a Christian company or, or anything like that but at the same time um, it's kind of gone off the rails recently and uh, and we touch on that and, and so you hear that
1: I think you'll enjoy the interview with Jeff Dixon and if you go to Disney anytime soon you're gonna have some of this ringing in your ears exactly. yep. and so thanks Jeff for being with us It was great to have you and for everybody tuning in thanks for listening. Hey everybody Matt Reister with the CC podcast I'm at the Christian Products Expo in Lexington Kentucky and right now I get to sit down with Jeff Dixon. Jeff Dixon has written some books centered around the kingdom can I say Disney? You can say you can say it. It's okay with me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what like the light like you. You can't use that in your title probably, but but uh, we've got Andrew sitting in here with us too. Andrew's our technical director. Yep. And uh, we're having him on this because he spent some time. Andrew's a Disney geek. You That's probably what I hear. I hear Big that. Big Disney yeah. geek. Yeah. yeah. And so he said, you know, I want to sit in on this one, and he spent some time working down there and uh, sets Twice. trips up for people to go to Disney. So. Uh, Andrew will have some good stuff to contribute to this as well. So, first of all, just describe your genre or your books okay.
3: for our listeners. Well, my books are uh, an accident by every stretch of the imagination. I, uh, I decided one year to try something I hadn't done before, and I decided I would write a novel. Now, that's, everybody thinks they've got a book in them, and, and I, I completely understand that. And so, you know, me being who I was, I said, you know, I, it's a new, tra- new challenge for the year. Um, and so I wrote a novel, actually I wrote about three chapters of a novel and I uh, began to look for a publisher and I thought this is going to be easy. Well, after uh, twenty, twenty-one rejection notices later I realized okay maybe this isn't going to be real easy uh, and then I the kind of list left it alone, I just forgot about it and uh, I was contacted by my publisher, Deep River Publishing and they called and they said, you know, how much of the book is done? And uh, Being the pastor that I am, I ministerially answered and said, oh, it's, it's well, well underway, realizing I only had three chapters <laughs> done. And they said, well, we would like to have it. Can we have it in, in six months? Said, sure, of course you can. That's not a problem. And so we signed a contract for it. And the first book uh, was delivered about a year later, uh, missed the six months terribly. And so we kind of <laughs> got into the marketing thing. And the book the book took off. And so it really is, um, I was a, I'm a Disney fan, and it's fiction but it's also based in fact. In other words, you can take one of these books to the theme park and find most of the things in the book, wow. in the park. And so a lot of people do that national treasure type yeah. treasure hunt, and they go out there and they'll go looking, and um, I'll get pictures uh, of folks with the book, and they found something that's in the book, and you know they're on vacation. And, uh, and so the books have surprised me. They really were an accident. I thought I was one and done, which was okay with me. And um, after the first book came out, it did very well and the publisher called and said hey do we have a sequel in here is there another story I said, of course there is had no idea what I was talking about and so once again we're on that year and a half kind of thing and <laughs> and that happened about uh, 11 years ago and so we have consistently put books out and so the sixth novel will come out after the first of the year so there's a sample for that that's one around saving the magic kingdom and then I've also got 2 nonfiction Disney books uh the Disney Driven Life and the Disney Code, which are tours of Epcot and the Magic Kingdom, featuring the life and the history of Walt Disney himself, Wow. and how he kind of tie the parks back into his life story, and um, and they're for a different publisher, so I don't often mention their name here, but they they, work, they get along very well together, so they don't they they know each other exist and it's not a problem. Awesome. Uh, so that's kind of where, where where the books came from.
1: So you've got six in this series right here. Yeah.
3: Are they all Kingdom? They're all all associated with the kingdom. The first four really build on each other. Kingdom chaos. When we're talking about kingdom, we're talking about magic kingdom. Magic kingdom, yeah. Yeah. But of course, the the lead character though, is a pastor who in a wild series of events, ends up being the chief creative officer of the Walt Disney company. Wow. Now that story came about though, because um, I'm a pastor in my real life. And so I know an imagineer. I asked if he could sit down and meet with me and my staff. And the premise was simple. I said, you know, Disney is the greatest storyteller in the history of the world outside of Jesus. Mm. And so you guys tell great stories that I still remember from my childhood, that my kids remember. And so you guys are the best. And I want to be the best at telling stories. And Mm. I every week get up and I get to tell a story um, and I get to spend 30 minutes talking to an audience. And then it, of course, it lives on after that on the internet. And I said, "So I want to tell the best story possible. So I want to I want to ask you to help me tell a better story. And then if you'll do that, I'll buy you lunch. Yeah. And so so he immediately said yes, and very graciously then began a series where he took us back behind the scenes of one of the theme parks, I would pay for lunch in the restaurant. And then we would get to go behind the scenes of what they were building and get to hear an Imagineer tell us how to tell a great story. And then try to figure out for me then, how do you incorporate that into church ministry? And so that was the nugget of the idea that actually starts the first book.
2: Now tell the audience what an Imagineer is, because Matt doesn't know and and, a lot of our audience might know, but okay. it's a it's it's a dream job for just about anybody who is a uh, Disney Disney aficionado.
3: Yeah, if you're a Disney geek, everyone wants to be Imagineer, right? It's, it's it's part imagination. You don't have to, and in part, you know, uh, engineering. And Walt is the one that that kind of gave him that title. came uh, Came out of his company that he when he kind of started pulling guys out of the movie industry and started working on theme parks and designing stuff that hadn't been done. They decided you know, they needed a new title, and so they got Imagineers. Because Walt tried to sell this idea of a theme park all over the country, and all the people that owned and operated and ran theme parks said, Mr. Disney, you make movies. You don't know anything about theme parks. Mm. And he couldn't get anybody to help him. And finally, somebody came alongside and said, Walt, the best advice we can give you if you want to build a theme park or build an amusement park, you need to build it yourself. And Walt said, I don't want to build an amusement park. I want to build a theme park. And they said, well, no one knows how to do that. He said, I know how to do that. Well, so he went to the guys that were drawing the cartoons, and he said, here's what I want. And they, they loved Walt. I mean, they loved and hated Walt at times, but uh, they said, yeah, let's do that. And so they, they gave it a try, and um, so out of that group came the Imagineers, and now they are the lead designers that put all of the hidden um, you know, storytelling into the attractions, and they, they, they start from that blue sky meeting, and they develop them out, and they farm out the stuff, and it comes back in, and they're responsible for telling the story. So, awesome. So,
1: Before we talk more about Disney, mm-hmm. let's talk about you and your path uh, to pastoring and what's your faith story? When did you come to faith? What, what kind of pastor are you? How long have you
3: been doing that? Okay. All that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kid who is one of those products of the church. Uh, I, had a, I had a great mom and dad that made sure that that was a, an emphasis in my life. And so they got me to church. And um, i Grew up in the church, so I learned to sin at church, like most people do, and get in all sorts of trouble there. And uh, But the church really was my playground in some ways. Um, did a lot of time, a lot of social life there. I mean, I really am a product of the church and have love, loved the church. I have always loved the church. And um, as I got older, I was doing a lot of different things, ran track in high school. Uh, that was part of my journey and really felt like that my call was to be an Olympic athlete. You know, when you're young and dumb, you know, those calls kind of, they tap out pretty quick, right? I mean, you, you, you can't go very far with that. There's not a future in that unless you win a bunch of gold. And, uh, but that was my goal. And it was really short term. I thought it was long term. Uh, but I continued running and, and kind of got to the end of that run in high school. And um, God gave me the opportunity to uh, go to school on scholarships, to run for some clubs, to have a lot of success at that, but also at the same time was doing this big, big major tugging on my heart that, you know, you, you're mine, and I've got something else for you to do. And that was that call to be what I thought at the time was a lifelong, permanent, forever student minister. thought that was going to be the journey. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, and so I went to Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, um, and spent three years out there. Uh, took took my wife, and we headed out that way, uh, had our first child out there, and came out of there and went, went right to work in a local church. And as time went by, I began to see that, you know, from my ideal, idealistic perspective, that man, the church is just losing ground in the culture. Yeah. And um, and as a student minister, most student ministers will tell you that. Most student ministers will tell you that. They, they're going to fight with their pastors about that. I did the same thing. I I was one of those guys who was always kind of pushing up against my pastor saying, you know, we. we've we're, you know, we, we, we need to do things different. And again, wisdom comes with him, understanding, well, but this is how we're set up. This is what we need to do. And, and, and so I, I pushed against it, I pushed against it. And finally, God just said to me, he goes, you know, you, you, are, a, you are complaining a lot about the church. Why don't you try to do it better? Mm. And I, um, And it was a very distinct call. And I was getting ready to kind of blow out and, and take another step up the career ladder in the student ministry. I was getting ready to to, to leave where I was and move to a larger church. Uh, that deal had, I'd like to say, already been inked. Um, and I, you know, I, I, know you're, I know you have an audience out there that will understand the term, but you know, I, I think that sometimes we as pastors confuse the call of God with the call of the pocketbook. Yeah. Uh, the call, of the pocketbook. On this one was I That was wrong calling me, <laughs> uh, but. I had somebody approach me and say, you know what, if you would stay in town, stay in Orlando, start a church, I can put a dozen people together, and we can start this thing, and let's just see what happens. And so, much to my surprise, after I prayed about it, because I thought, I'll pray about it, but the answer is surely no, because, well, I'm going somewhere else. And yeah. and the answer was, no, you're going to stay. And so we planted a church. We planted a church on the campus of the University of Central Florida. It was the first Church ever sponsored by a state school. Wow! And to this day, it still is the only church wow. that's ever been sponsored by a state school. How did that happen? Uh, act of God. <laughs> uh, it really—I'm not flippant about that. It really—it was one of those crazy moments where all of a sudden everything just kind of fell into place. What it's, year? Oh, man, ninety. Nineteen ninety.
1: I can't imagine a state school sponsoring,
3: were you preaching the Bible? Oh yeah, every, every <laughs> night, every, every night. And, and we had to come on as a student organization, which became, became more complicated because of the rules they had about how college students had to yeah. uh, sign on and be members in clubs. And so I had to yeah. recruit you know college students and, and we had to kind of get that group together. And we got it started. And so we would take over every Sunday night because it's a dead night on campus. we take over the biggest auditorium on campus. Wow. And we got to a point in, in the run that we were out there um, that we were filling it up but it wasn't just college students it was people bringing their families out and we had kids sleeping on the back row because mom and dad are out late because we couldn't start church till 8 o'clock at night yeah and we'd go till 10 and then 30 and we just kind of rock it and we were doing stuff to to feed the students before and and so we became the Sunday night gathering place which was great fun but as we continue to do that um, there were the, the track that was happening is we were, we were getting more than college students, which was a no, no, but it was Sunday night to be a student organization. Right. And so we're getting, we're getting families coming out now for these student organizations, but bands. it's
1: Sunday night. So no one's
3: new because the administration knew. wasn't there. Nobody knew. I was, was, was going <laughs> with the security guards, right? I I love it. Love. So they were our best friends and we were always, it felt like we were always paying them off and giving them pizza, but they were, they were, <laughs> they were great. And we had a good time with them, but it, it just got to the point where, um, we, we kind of cut our teeth there. But at the same time, we realized, you know, but these students, they're coming and going. I mean, it, it's, it's a transitory group. And um, for transformation to happen, I was kind of going through a journey in my life where I was looking at life change and transformation and realizing how, how messy it could be and how it was going to take time. And I was incredibly frustrated, just like a college basketball coach would be about, you know, it's, it's one and done. You get them for a year and then they're gone for the summer and you can't get them back. Have you ever been to Rupp Arena? University of yeah, Kentucky. I, I write for the University of Kentucky.
1: Okay. I mean, this I'm, is I'm, like where one and done was I, uh, invented. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can, I
3: can rattle off most of the rosters for the last few years, but I actually, I write for them as an offshoot of the books. Wow. Um, they, they invited me to come write for them. And so I cover college basketball for the University of Kentucky. Oh, that's wow. amazing. That's, that's You're my, very
2: familiar with
1: this
3: place. That's, so. that's my hobby. Yeah, I, cool. So when we, when we, came to Rupp. I'm like, I'm, I'm at Rupp. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in the
1: place now. This is second great. home. I'm a, I'm a diehard Iowa Hawkeye fan. And so we, uh, these blue bloods
3: yeah right? i know yeah you can't you can i understand you can't embrace it it's, it's, a, it's nice to be a kentucky fan it's kind of like being an alabama football fan yeah you yeah. know you just kind of every year just kind of walk in going well it's ours to lose yeah and, 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 you know and that's probably not fair but it, it, some years it seems it's that true. way it's so, true um but uh we, we we blew off the college campus and we planted a church um it was called the campus community church uh we, that was in 1993 And we were still doing the the UCF church and the, 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 I'll call it the grown-up church. And the grown-up church began to take off. And so it just became um, a little bit too much to do. And the other thing that had happened is we were transitioning. uh, Student ministries on campuses were transitioning at the time. Yeah. Because at the time when we went out there, at least in the Orlando area, it was a, uh, the kind of thing where everybody was just basically kind of doing a get-together, doing an activity, and having a guest speaker in. And usually the guest speaker was a pastor from the area who came in and may or may not be able to relate like to college students, and that was the model. Well, we came in with a model. We were coming in with a full worship band. Now, this is, again, I mean, this is 1990, so we are coming in with a full worship band, um, you know, uh, you know the full drum set. You know we're bringing in uh, a lot of energy. We're bringing in props. You know we're, you know, I mean, as a speaker, I'm wandering the uh, aisles of the, yeah. of the, place, and we're getting as edgy as we possibly can, using a lot of humor, and um, and nobody was doing that. Yeah. And so we were, we were, we were drawing all of those groups too. I mean they were they were yeah. coming in. So we had a really a mixed bag, and uh, by the time we left, everybody was doing that. I mean, all of the groups had transitioned to. We got a band now. We yeah. have, say, the same speaker every week. Um, we're trying to grow students, and, and so it was great. So we were kind of there when the model changed. Yeah, and it was time um, to leave. And we actually hired a staff member that kind of took that over for me. Um, and as often happens in churches, it's not always sustainable if the staff member is not the right fit or the passion's not there. Yep. And so it began to dwindle. And finally, we said, you know what? We're we're now just replicating what everybody else is doing. I mean yeah. They replicated us, but now we're replicating them. So why why are we doing this? And and felt like you know the season had come to an end. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, we've got the other church that is now up and running and growing. And uh, that journey continued to '93, um, six years ago, seven years ago. We were looking for a building. We'd been storefronting it from place to place, and and continued to be this you know just a, a little bit off off the uh, off the radar and a little bit off the wall kind of place and. I had somebody approach me who was a pastor uh, doing an interim pastorate at a church in Winter Springs, Florida, right on the main road of Winter Springs In Central Florida real estate is is oh, pretty, yeah. pretty pricey. And this is a little bitty Baptist church that's sitting on six acres. And he said, I'm the interim pastor here and they have a church and a mortgage and no people. And they had about 20, 24 people. And he said, you have a room full of people and you need a building. What do you think? And I said, it's not going to work because you guys have too many. Even with 24 people, there are too many golden calves to burn on that altar. We can't do it. It's not going to work. And he goes, oh, it's going to work. It's going to work. Now, in fairness, uh, he's a very good friend of mine. He is a former professional wrestler. Oh, wow. Who is also an interim pastor. So my my friend network is a really uh, eclectic group, and he's awesome. And matter of fact, he's retired, but he's coming out of retirement. I'll give you a plug on this thing. He's coming out of retirement for the first time in October. He is now in his... um, he is now, I believe he's now 70. He's coming out of retirement for one match. He's in a tag team match. His life was made into a movie that was the Christian film of the year a few years ago, few years ago called The Mass Saint about a pastor who would wear a mask in the ring and then was preaching on Sundays and became a vigilante in the neighborhood that he was pastored. Wow. <laughs> we ought to interview him. He's great fun. I mean, he is, he is he's a, he's a rock star in my book. And I've, I've, had, I've co-preached with him on Sunday mornings at times. We did a series called Rama. Well, I got to ask him the first question out of the box was, okay, tell me, wrestling's fake, right? And, I mean, it, it just brought down the house. And he went through all of the injuries and all. He goes, there's nothing fake about that. I'm like, yeah, I know, but that was a great question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, but anyway, so he was the interim pastor, and he had no he had no skin in the game except that he loved the people, and he wanted, and he loved me, and he wanted to see if we could make that work. And so we moved in, we renamed the church, we rebranded it, and we're now the church at 434, um, we now own nine acres uh, on state road 434 in winter Springs uh, and we are um, you know we survived the pandemic like everybody else and god has blessed us and we've come out of that fire and we're uh, we're having a great time wow so it's, it's been an amazing ride everything that I've done has really been that god just has kind of laid it out in front of me and said chase it let's see what happens yeah so we're, we're, we're not afraid to risk and we try some stuff and it's been a uh, I, I i'm not going to complain about it i cool. i wish was, i wish there was a science to it i always tell people i said you know when i was young i thought there was a science to us and i thought i knew everything in 1993. by 1999 i knew i didn't know anything mm. and thought i i we're, we're not going to make it and then um you know we just stayed with it and i have been blessed uh, i have a staff that has been with me over 30 years wow um and we're uh a real different group, and the staff, and we're now expanding that staff, and we've continued to expand it. And um, God has put me in a multi generational church where we're cool. seeing lives change, and so it's, it's fun.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So um,
3: let's get back to this Disney
1: stuff. Yeah. Um, one other thing we got to get out of the way before we get into it Disney. Yeah. I mean, Disney's taken on water these days. They've lost their mind. Especially from Christians. <laughs> yeah, they've and, and out of So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm on this podcast and we're all about the scriptures and the truth and the Bible and, and the gospel. And so I guarantee some of my audience will be like, what are you giving Disney
3: a platform for? I understand. So what do we, how do we handle that? Well, I, I handle it this way. I mean, I've run into it even at this event that we're at. Uh, and we run into it from the um, standpoint that some people didn't even want to talk to me. in in this interview type of setting because it's Disney and they're, they're they're having nothing to do with Disney. Interesting. Um, But Disney right now has a problem. I think it's, it's a um, systemic incompetence of leadership. Yeah. Um, Bob t has lost his mind. He, he is the uh, uh, CEO of a company where he, he leads by listening to the person who is the loudest in his ear. Yeah. And he has surrounded himself with an upper level of leadership that has decided that they really want to wait to the cause and they're woke and they have decided that their audience um, is stupid and so before disney wants to entertain you now with a the film they want to educate you about what you don't know um, because yeah. they're smarter than you yeah and 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 that is certainly not the historical approach of no. the disney company that we love <laughs> and uh was certainly not the approach that walt took and so as a result, you know, Disney has decided, for whatever reason makes sense to them, to jump into every dumb issue that they yeah. could get involved in. And I'm a Florida guy, so I can, I mean, I know up front, they've lost the um, the support of the state of Florida with their their political uh, jumping into a bill that they labeled, they labeled, Don't Say Gay Bill, which really is a bill that has just come through the Florida uh, Florida Senate that basically prohibits teachers in the public schools from talking to kids, third grade and younger, about sexual orientation and gender identification. But Disney supports that. They have said, we want, we support that bill. You have to do that in schools. Them and what, like 10% of the population? Oh, not, not even that. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's less than that. Um, it's even, it's far less than that when it comes to transgenderism. Jeez. And so, I mean, they, they just, they decided for whatever reason to pick the wrong lane. And I, and I think for folks as they deal with Disney, I mean, the way that we've done it, because I, again, I'm a Disney fan. Yeah. I, I, you know, when I go to a grocery store, I don't give a whole lot of thought to who has made the products that I want. Basically, yeah. I want my cereal, I want my soft drinks, I want my junk food, I want, you know, what I want. Yeah. And I think that's really what we have to almost do now with Disney, the, the brand name has been dinged big yep. time. And I think you can't take anything at face value if it says Disney now. You have to stop and go, okay, but what is this? Yeah. And you have to do what is responsible for each of our families and say, okay, this I'm going to enjoy and say, Disney, thank you. This I'm not going to support. Disney, here's why. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm always, I've always been a guy that says boycott a boycott. Because um, yeah. I think it's, you know, I, I, okay, that's not going to work. But I, I'm, I'm very much about, you know, but if I, if I don't like what you're doing and we're going to talk about truth, I'll tell you the truth and I can, I can tell you the truth and love you. Yeah. I just don't have to support what you're doing. Disney yeah. wants you to trade tolerance for celebration. Yeah. But Disney has forgotten that they need to tolerate their target audience, which really is families who don't want Disney to be responsible for educating their kids on sexuality. Right. But Disney's very intolerant of that right now. Right. Interesting. Which is insane. Uh, and so it's either it's either it's either a certifiable craziness, or it's a choice that they have made. Yeah. To, to to lean into a culture that's telling them that this is going to work for them, but you know, you go woke, you go broke, and that's what's that's what's kind of happening with Disney. I mean, they, yeah. I, I hope they've started learning a lesson with the release of Lightyear, um, which tanked. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 the newer Marvel movies yeah. not
1: doing
2: well. Not doing in the as same, well.
3: same vein. And they've decided that they're going to insert some things in there that, when you look at it, it doesn't drive the story forward. It doesn't help. And even though they say it does, yeah, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, I, I mean, interesting enough, in, in, in Lightyear, um, I, I made the decision. As much as a fan I am, we're not going to go see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do it. We're going to wait. We'll wait for Disney Plus. <laughs> not, so that's any better. But that's okay because <laughs> yeah, they've just made the decision now to put adult programming on Disney Plus. Yeah. rated films. Yeah. But um, so I watched it. I told I have a middle school son. Uh, just going to middle school, and I said, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to watch. Uh, I'm going to watch it. I I need to see what the scene is. I mean, you know, I'm asked about it all the time. Let me watch the film. And if it's okay, you and I can watch it. We'll watch it together. Yeah. So I watched it. He and I watched it together. Uh, Disney said that this was a a scene about um, two uh, homosexual women who were stranded on a planet, and they basically formed a family, and they had kids. And so that kind of filtered into the back of the storyline. So we got to the end of the film. My son, being the kid that he is, looked at me and goes, hey, Dad, I got a question. Because most of that just blew right past him. And I thought, ah, okay, he didn't even pay any attention to that, so he doesn't care. Yeah. He goes, tell me how those two women ended up with all those kids. He caught it. And so at that moment then, if Disney was trying to communicate that this is what family is supposed to be or family looks like, what they in essence did, at least in my household, is they started a conversation about what family is supposed to be. Yeah. And what really is possible <laughs> in creating a family. Yeah. Yeah. Which Disney obviously didn't do in the film. Right. Crazy. I mean, so, so again, that's crazy. Because yeah. if, that, if you're wanting to support yeah. and promote. Yeah. And I mean, as a follower, I'm going to love everybody. Yeah. But I don't have to celebrate it. Right. And I'm not going to shove it down your throat. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit cares a lot more about the lives of each individual than I do. Yeah. And so I'm just going to love. Yeah. But I also don't have to just accept everything under the under the umbrella of being inclusive or being tolerant. Yeah. So Disney has to find their lane again. Yeah. And I think it has to start with a change in leadership. Did you see Maverick, Top Gun? I did.
1: Didn't you think that was refreshing? It was. There was nothing. There was no gender, sexuality, political agenda. Yeah. It was just... It, I took our family, and it was like... I mean, I know it wasn't set in 1986, like the first one, but it was like 1986 again. Yeah. Like... Where it was like pro America, even even the female pilots, sure. which they could have used that as an axe to grind, a, a feminist agenda.
0: They did. They didn't.
1: They just no. let them be female pilots.
3: It was great. I, I've seen it a couple of times. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And don't
1: you think that Disney? So take Lightyear, and then take Maverick, and the reviews from Maverick have talked about exactly what what I'm talking about. I mean, hopefully people are catching the drift on that. And this is Tom Cruise. We're
3: talking about Right. like, Tom he's Cruise not is. exactly some pro family conservative. No, he's not everybody's favorite. No. Um, I mean, in fact, that was one thing I was really, I was saying to myself, you know, I, you know, I would go to top top gun, but Tom Cruise is in it. Nah, I'm not sure I want to do that. And he's you know? going to push some stupid agenda. That's what I'm thinking. And he didn't. I know. Oh. I was shocked. Uh, and I'm with
2: you. I'm a, you know, I, I have loved Disney for, for, for decades. Um, and i keep hoping the same thing i keep hoping they'll they'll sort of see okay right now the stuff that that we're putting on that's 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 doing really well you know some of these shows like the mandalorian and obi-wan and things like that those are the shows that have absolutely no agenda they're the shows where they're putting something on to entertain us they're putting something on that is is absolutely no agenda and it's and it's like how difficult is it for you to see that that your shows that are doing the best are the ones where you're not shoving something down their
3: throats? Well, I mean, I agree. I mean, and, and that's where you come back to that idea of you know, and I and again I say it's systemic incompetence because it's got to be across the board. Because I mean, last week at Disneyland, they quit using Walt's opening day speech because in that speech back in the '50s he mentioned history and the ideals of America. Yeah. Well, history and the ideals of America are no go. Yeah. For those of a, for those of you who are woke, right? I mean, you, you yeah. can't you can't have real history, and real American values and ideas. But you know, Walt says it, so now they've dropped that out. They've changed the greeting now from "Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls" to "Dreamers of all ages" because they don't. You can't want, say boys and girls. You can't say boys and girls anymore. Please. And so so when you go to a the theme park, I mean, the the, the the vibe is a little bit different, and and again, for the most part, you don't pick up on it yeah. unless you're listening or unless you know. Yeah. And if you're a fan. You gotta be thinking to yourself, well, you know, there's no way Walt would would have jumped into this. And and the truth is he would not have. No. And the leadership really has lost sight of that. Yeah. And um, and that's that's sad. Uh, but I, I think they've got I think I think there's a ways to go for them yet. I mean, I think they they've got to unravel some stuff, some junk. And, yeah. Um but but historically Disney has had to cycle. And so this is now a cultural backdrop that they're cycling against that's I think they're very unprepared for. And I, I think their leadership was unprepared for, sure. and I think they've got to figure it out. And I, I'm hoping that some sane voices will, yeah. Because I, uh, my church has some of the uh, folks that work at Disney, and th- they will say that the rank and file of the cast members they don't agree with this at all. This no. is all coming from the top. Totally, down. totally. Um, but you know, but th- you can go in every day and do your job, and in yeah. finance or in marketing, and and. You know, this really doesn't affect you. I mean, you're taking care of your family, so you're not you're not pushing an agenda. You're selling a widget. You're selling a yeah. whatever. So yeah. they're able to do what they need to do, but still they've got that corporate yeah. thing hanging over them in the back uh, that's, that's sometimes a little bit overwhelming. And, and in Orlando, anyway, uh, the big game in town right now, uh, uh, sorry to say, is not Disney. It's Universal wow universal is pounding disney right now when it comes to customer satisfaction really customer satisfaction for the first time in a long time Mm -hmm. um i mean that's disney's game it is i mean and i have worked at both places so i can tell you that i at universal's orientation years ago they would sit you down and when you sit in that big orientation staff you know get them ready meeting they would say we know that we're the number two theme park in central florida but we want to be number one and and they say every time and they say this in their meetings, every time Disney missteps, we step through it. Yeah. And so at this point, Universal has done that. It was, they did it through the pandemic. They figured out how to open quicker than Disney. Wow. They figured out how to move crowds. And so right now, you know, if you were to say to any Orlando resident, let's just put since Florida, you know, you got, you know, $150, $60, $70 for a ticket, uh, where are you gonna spend it? I will go to Universal. Wow, um, and that is a first, uh, which is something again that they ought to be paying attention to, and hopefully they will. I mean, Disney, yeah, Disney's not hurting, don't. They? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're not. They're, this is not the death knell for Disney. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. but um, <laughs> but they do have some competition in town right now, at least in Orlando. So, six of these, six, six and of are them. they all part of the same series? Uh, the first four are connected. The other two are standalones, but they have the same characters or some of the same characters sure. in them. Okay. Um, the most recent one that's out. Is Kingdom Chaos, and, and it's, every, everything builds on history of Walt Disney. Um, and so I, I started with a story about Walt Disney kidnapping the Vice President of the United States. Um, when <laughs> Richard Nixon was Vice President of the United States, he brought the family to open the monorail. Grand opening of the monorail. Monorail had not worked yet, but it was a grand opening press day, and the Nixons were going to be there. Uh, Bob Gurr, an Imagineer, a uh, big Disney legend, uh, had helped design it. They pulled it into the station. It was running for the first time all week. It had not run yet. The air conditioner hadn't worked until this particular day, opening day. The Nixon family gets on board. Bob Gurr is sitting behind the controls. Walt gets in. They close the doors and they pull away. And Richard Nixon looks at Walt and says, Walt, did any of the Secret Service get on board? And Walt said, no, nobody else got on board. This is the only car we opened. Is this true? This is true. And so the, so the Nixon family was laughing because, in essence, he, kidnapped, he him. kidnapped him. And so Richard Nixon said to Walt, he goes, he goes, I, he goes, Walt, I think you've kidnapped me. Or whatever he says. And, uh, and, and so Walt said, yeah. Uh, and, and so they were laughing about it. Well, Bob Gurr tells this story. And he says, so I'm sitting there driving, listening to this conversation, and keeping my mouth shut. But I'm starting to sweat because, you know, when I get back, I mean, they're just making a loop around the park. That's all it does. And they weren't even sure they were going to get back because it wasn't running well. They thought that they were going to have to rescue them on the back side of the park because <laughs> it hadn't made a complete loop yet. It did. It made a complete loop. The air conditioner was running, and the kids, the Nixon kids, Love it. had a great time, and they <laughs> said, Dad, 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 can we do it again? Can we do it again? And so Walt, as only Walt can do, kicks the chair that Bob Gurr is sitting in. He goes, Bobby, let's kick it again. Let's keep going. So this time they go through the, the station, and they never slow down. Now the Secret Service is running alongside of the monorail. Boom, 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 beating on the walls. And Bob Gurr is thinking to himself, they are going to grab me at gunpoint, put me on the ground when we get back. And uh, Walt kept going, you know, this might be the last ride of this monorail. I might not have a theme park anymore. And, you know, they laughed about it. And so they finally got back. And then the Nixons, of course, uh, you know, did survive and the rest is history. But um, uh, but for a few minutes, he, 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 he had kidnapped the vice president. So my thought was, well, what would happen if the president of the United States brought his family to Walt Disney World and on a monorail ride between the Ticken Transportation Center and Epcot disappeared what would happen if they got on at one place and how could I get them off the monorail Wow and when they got to that station to open that monorail and they would be gone And all of a sudden the president and his family are missing at Disney. and So so then it becomes this great mystery. There's a lot of political intrigue in it. Um, The cover of the book has red and blue on it because everybody that read it, read it through a political lens. If you're you're red, you read it with a red lens. If you're blue, you read it through a blue lens. And so I've gotten letters from everywhere about my politics. I mean, nobody knows my politics. (laughs) But but they've they've decided my politics based on the book And, and the lead character. Uh, or one of one of the lead characters, the president of the United States is named Tyler Pride, and his motto is "Let's put pride in America again." So it obviously <laughs> sounds familiar, and he's patterned after somebody that we might all know and remember. Um, and and so a lot of people just read that into the character. And but the, the inner the communication between the lead characters was, you know, I, I, I love you, but I don't always like what you do, and, and I'm not always in agreement with the way that you do it, yeah. and, and and so how do I love you and, and support you, but still, you know, not, you know, how can we still be friends, and so yeah. there's a lot of that tension that's built in it, but then also the president goes missing, and so now this, now the lead character has to go find his friend, the president, who was his friend before he was president. And a businessman and stuff. All, all that story is all set up that way, and so it—it's it a romp. I mean, it, it's fun. It is a—I thought we threw the kitchen sink at it, but apparently not, because after it came out, and it came out during during political season, as it always seems to be, it sold so well that um, publisher came back, hey, we have another one in there somewhere. Sure, we got another one in here somewhere. What are we gonna do this time? I don't know. Let's just throw the kitchen sink at it. So. And the new one, and uh, the, the preview's already out. We're giving it out at this conference. Uh, my mom actually proofread it for me, and she was laughing. She said, "She said, is that a Sasquatch you put in this thing?" I said, "They said throw the kitchen sink at it." <laughs> so how do you how do you get a Sasquatch? Walt Disney World and all and, and and how do you land it? And so, uh, but it's going to land. I promise it's going to land. It, but it is a uh, unbelievable, fun, crazy, a lot of humor, but also. Um, a real mystery
1: kind of adventure. So when you say four of them are tied together and two are separate but the same characters,
3: is it the first four that are tied together? The first four are an arc. Um, And that would be the key to the kingdom, uh, unlocking the kingdom, storming the kingdom, and then terror in the kingdom. And so then this one is the fifth one. Kingdom Chaos is the fifth one. And that's
1: different. That's different, that's a standalone. So, So if I was gonna read this, I can read this as a standalone yeah. without
3: prior knowledge. Prior knowledge, yeah. I, I, what I did is I changed. I mean, I, I, somewhere along the way, I mean, and I hope, and I guess, I guess it's up to the reader, isn't it? Hopefully, somewhere along the way, I learned to write. And, um, <laughs> and so, while the first four books were all from the one character's perspective, um, when we, by the time we get to Kingdom Chaos, I actually let other characters have a brain and we get to see their point of view in the story, and so it kind of takes on some different dimensions, so they get to kind of give you a different view of the world except for the lead character. And so for me, it was a lot more fun to write, too. I mean, I had a better time um, tackling so, the last book. It's, so this second one? Saving the Magic Kingdom? Is that's, number be six. Six. That's, that's number six.
1: It's number, number six. Is it a continuation of this one, nope. or totally separate? Totally separate. No. Totally okay. Separate.
3: Takes, takes place years later. I've let the characters age. Mercifully, wow. um, some, some have not made it through all all six books, um, yep. and and much to the uh, horror of, of some of the fans. I mean, and there's a fan base out there. I, I it, it's a it's a it's a great and crazy, fun fan base, and um, so I get I get mail why did this character have to die? Are you going to bring them back? Can you bring them back? Please bring them back. And <laughs> I'm like, no, oh, they're dead. They got shot. Come on. Um, but um, we you know we we've had a lot of fun with that. I get pictures from. Kids who have drawn what they think the characters look like. Because one of the things I did is I've I've kept some description of the characters in there, but I've left a whole lot of room for imagination to take over. Because to me, that's really a big deal. Yeah. And so, um, so I have I have pictures of people who, what do they think these characters look like? Some some people think that the characters look like me. I mean, and uh, even when the first book came out, my father, uh, when he was alive, he he was um, if if you read the first book, my father. Um, got a chance to read the book. My father had, had a heart attack uh, a number of years ago, and really got an extra number of years. It was a miracle. But the heart attack blinded him. Wow! He lost his eyesight. Wow! It was a massive coronary, and um, and so I started writing a book, and um, my dad was blind. Uh, but somewhere between the final edit and the publishing of the book, my dad had an operation um, that restored his sight. Wow! Um, and so I dedicated the book to my dad. Um, because when I started it, he was blind. And by the time the book came out, he could read it. And so he was able to read the first book I wrote, which was really, to me- Meant a lot. Well, I means I means more I can tell you. And, um, but he, as he's reading the book, because of my staff, I mean, because it, it involves a short staff. I mean, it's about a pastor who gets to run the Magic Kingdom, right? So his staff all come with him. I mean, he's, he brings his best friends with him. And so um, a character gets kidnapped. And I have a, a young lady that works on staff with me, that's worked with me forever minister of education and he walked up to her one Sunday morning he goes I'm reading the book right now and he goes I hope they find you because I goes, I'm missing you right now and he goes I don't know if it, I don't know if you gonna make it through the book He goes, I'm a little bit worried about you because he had decided that every character I was writing about he knew and he just made it our church staff which That's was awesome. easier for him uh, my student minister about book three came up to me as I was writing it we announced it. I was writing the book at the church and uh, he came up to me and he goes you know he goes I i know i'm really one of your lead characters in there he goes but if you need if you want want me to take a hit for the team you kill me off it's okay <laughs> so i'm like okay okay i can do that so you know so we you know so we've had a good time and they you know they, they've all embraced the fact that some people think that they're um quasi-celebrities which we're not but they, <laughs> they, they, they it. so
1: what's the what genre would you put it in
3: suspense mystery yeah it, it's suspense and mystery thriller uh, it, it would be a thriller more of a, I would say it more of an adventure thriller um, Kingdom Chaos was labeled um, on Amazon as a political thriller. And, oh wow! And, and so it, it, it made that it made that jump. And each book has done extremely well. And it, you know when those books first come out, I mean, you always kind of wait to see where you're, where you rank for a while. Sure. And each one has really broke broke very well. Um, and, and so each one's kind of built on each other. Uh, and and so um, I, I'm just I feel very blessed by that that, that someone want to read it because it, it, it like I told you at the start, it's a hobby. I mean, sure. it, it is a hobby. Um it's a hobby that led me to University of Kentucky basketball. It's a hobby that's it's opened up, you know, endless speaking doors. I do I do tours at Disney now. I get to speak to groups at Disney all the time and they know I'm a pastor, and so they're not afraid to let me do the God talk. Yeah. And I do the God talk. I mean, and I don't I don't hold back. I mean even as we've talked about the Disney company here. I'm not a yeah, you know, I'm not a I'm not a Kool Aid drinker. I'm I'm I think my eyes are pretty wide open about the company. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and I'll I'll Call it straight as I can, and yeah. do, it, do it the best I can. So it's been, it's been good. What so, what age is, like? Is there an age that's too young for this? Yeah, I, I think if you're below if you're below middle school, um, it, it's going to be too hard to read. It's written for adults. I yeah. mean, I, I aimed at adults. Um, everyone when it first came out thought, okay, this is a this is young adult young adult fiction. Yep. no, it's not. No, it's it's really it's adult fiction, and we talk about adult things. And um, and so it's been it's been good.
1: I interviewed a gal this morning who writes some Christian suspense and romance. And I was asking her like, as a Christian, where's the line? Yeah. And I was thinking the line on the romance side would be the more difficult line, but she said the suspense line is more difficult because you can't make bad guys, bad guys. Like she said, her publisher, one of her publisher's notes didn't want her to include certain words in the, in the, conversation. And I said, well, give me an example. Like, are we talking about swear words? she's like, no, they didn't want me to say heck.
3: Yeah. Like
1: what? Yeah. So, so how do you, I mean, where are you
3: at on that? My publisher is different to that. I mean, I know I don't use swear words because my mom has to read everything I write. So I can't, you know, I, can't, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't I can't make mom upset. Um, and I don't want her to, I want my kids to be able to read it too. And I mean, I yeah. want my church people to be able to pick it up and go, my pastor wrote this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. So, I mean, there, there is a, for me, you know, there's a, there's a safety net that's built into it. Um, But my bad guys are bad. I mean, they're evil. They are evil and they are, uh, they're just rotten. Now, what, and so what we do is what you always say or hope a movie can do. Well, can't you do that without using the words? That's right. And and yeah, you can. I mean, heck, uh, okay, that'll probably show up. I'm sure I've written that at some point, but not, but no one's ever said, you know, you can't use that word. Yeah. Um, And, and so that part has been good. You know, the hard part for me was not that. The hard part for me was the, the romance part. I mean, I, I didn't know as a writer, as a pastor, How to write that and so when i when i gave the lead character a love interest um our our, our publisher gave the editing work to a woman who edits amish romance and and, and she said (laughs) said, that's
1: literally a thing yeah Amish romance there
3: actually is a book out there that i would i i can't even i can't even remember the title but i read it just because i couldn't believe it true it's an amish romance vampire novel and it's Christian. I mean, it is the craziest. <laughs> I mean, if you ever want to, if you ever want to sell a book, write about vampires. <laughs> put it set in Amish country, and um, and make it a romance. And it feels golden. like Weird so, Al should do the soundtrack. For that. I, well, he really I mean, should. Yeah. I, I, so I, I, I think that one's in me somewhere one day, but I'm not sure if I can <laughs> if I can duplicate that. But um, her her comment back on my first edit was just like getting your school papers graded. You know, when you're when you're a grown adult and you think I'm out of English now, and all of a sudden you get this paper with red all over it, and you're like. You know, the first four chapters have to go. I'm like, where were you when I created the first four chapters, you know? And so she's like, this is going to be a good relationship, but you've got to lose the first four chapters. Let's start with chapter five. Let's pick the action up. Too much ramp up in the first four. Tell that story later on. And she said, you know nothing about romance. And I said, well, I I beg to differ. I think I do. And she said, uh, well, then let me put it this way. You don't know how to write about it. I'm Got like, it. Okay, okay, that's better. That's better. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. what, and what's allowed and what's not allowed. And so she really did help kind of guide me through how to have a, uh, a love interest. For the like, I'm just character.
1: curious just a second. Like, what is what is allowed and what's not allowed? Well,
3: for example, I did, a, I did a, I wrote a scene uh, in the very first book where uh, the, the characters are kind of, uh, they've connected. And they're on the run and they're hiding. And they end up in the Cinderella suite in uh, yep. Cinderella Castle, which is a real exclusive kind of place. And they're hiding out there. Uh, and the female character decides to take a shower. Okay. Yeah. Well, immediately, you know, so I, I put her, I, I, you know, I put her in the shower. She goes into the room. She goes to the bathroom. She takes a shower. I mean, that's kind of how I wrote it. Yep. She goes to the bathroom to take a shower. I was done. Um, but then, as the dialogue is placing out between a couple other characters, they begin talking about how the lead character is having feelings for her. And so, you know, the romance writer was saying it's okay to say. An image in his mind suddenly flashes the fact that she's standing in that shower right now with water running over her. Okay. That's allowable because again, yeah. I didn't say I didn't describe her. I didn't say what yeah. she looked like. Was it graphic? No, nothing graphic about it. But she, she said that's okay. You can say that, and all your readers are going to go, "Yeah, of course he is." You know, I mean, and so knowing that you have the freedom to do that, I think, was half the battle for me because yeah. these are certainly not romance novels, and no one who's ever read them would think that they are. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the lead character is kind of a loser when it comes to love. But, uh, it, but again, to know that you could do that really helped me, especially the female characters. Yeah. Because, that again, that was just kind of foreign territory. And, totally. And I, I didn't do that well in high school and, and, and English. I didn't pay that much attention. So, I, you know, my, my English teachers, um, God rest their souls, they are not with us anymore. I really wish I could have given them a the book because, I, you know, they, they didn't have a whole, a whole lot of hope for me. Uh, in those days. That's and, awesome. And, and often would tell me that. Um, and I would prove it. I mean, I had proved it. And so so writing a book was a major undertaking. And so it, the fact that it's kind of become a little bit more natural, I guess.
1: That's really cool. So something just crossed my mind. Uh, National Religious Broadcasters, have you been to that? I have not. So their convention next year is in Orlando in May. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to be in Orlando in May. We need to have him give us a tour. Let's do it.
2: Oh, yeah. by all
3: means. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll I'm rock gonna, the park. I'm going
2: to co tour, though, because I mean, I,
3: I, yeah. I, I, I'm not quite at his level, but I'm, I, you
2: know, I'm not.
3: I, I, no, I could hold my I, own. I bet you can. Yeah. I had no doubt about it. Oh, right. it's, it's the, the, the great thing about Disney Disney fans is yeah. that, that what, what you would gravitate to and what I think is most important yeah. are, are going to be radically different most of the time. Right. I mean, what we look for. I mean, the thing that intrigues me. Uh, well, you know, I think we you can know.
2: both be in agreement that we're glad the Stitch ride is gone.
1: I'm thrilled to death that it's gone,
2: yes. Everybody I, agrees I, I, on so that.
1: So what, what, in, what would you say generally intrigues you about Disney, or what do, what do you like? I, I did notice, or no, I didn't notice it, you said it, that there are things in the book that you can go find, yeah. and and in your bio it talked about you spend time going around Disney and noticing details that other people miss or maybe that you've missed. Is that kind of what you're into? Is the obscure stuff that it takes you seven times to find?
3: Yeah, Maybe, I mean, I I thought when I wrote the first book, I just thought, how can I tie all of these things that are very fascinating to me together in a story? And I didn't realize what I had done until I got a picture from an educator in Texas who sent me a copy of his book or sent me a picture of his book with all the post-it notes he had put into it. I mean, and the thing was just blistered with poster it notes. And he said, is all of this stuff real? I said, yes, it is. He said, well, I'm coming to find it. And so he, wow. he, he came on his vacation and sure enough, I mean, he found it and he found out, okay, you know, this guy, these things are really there. You can go find them. And so what I did is I kind of took those little mm-hmm. tidbits and I said, okay, well, the Imagineers, from what I understand about them, you know, they put all sorts of hidden details into things and there's a reason for everything. You just have to take the time to look. And so I started trying to kind of just find those things. And if I saw something that didn't make sense, I would ask. Um, I'm notorious, if I'm out there by myself, for being able to talk myself into backstage areas um, until the point that security decides that we've gone as far as we're allowed to go. And that's okay. Um, but if you, if you were to go with me to the park, though, I mean, I, I'm content to go into the park and never get on a ride. You know, I, I, oh, don't, yeah. have to, I don't have to get in a line. Same. same. I, like to, I like to look and I like to find and I like to wander cool. and I like to listen. I mean, I like to, I mean, I, I love, I love that. I, I love walking down Main Street, USA and then taking that quick little ride and sitting in that little alcove that used to be a lot, but it's nothing there now, but listening to the music play out of the, uh, the music lesson place upstairs yep. and to hear the soundtracks and you start going, okay, this is, who cares about this detail? i do i care about it i I love it i think it's great fun because you don't have to do it um and and i think that disney continues to do those kinds of things and i think that makes it makes it special i think the detail really brings it to life my son and
1: i are in the process of seeing the yankees play in every ballpark and we've got a few to go but we were out in la last year and just for a very quick trip to knock that ballpark out but we stayed at a hotel across the street from Disneyland. And so we went, we went into Disneyland for like half the day because we had, we had a game that night. Sure. Um, but Mason had never been to Disney World or Disneyland. And you know I just kind of asked him, do you want to do this? And if you want to, we'll do it. And I'd been, I'd been to Disney World several times, but never Disneyland. And I mean, by the time probably, we decided to go in there obviously, but I don't think Mason's expectations were real high. But I mean, he loved it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and he's like, "That was awesome," and he's like, "We got to take the whole family to Disney, you know, or sure. whatever it is." Wally World. Yeah, <laughs> Lally yeah, yeah. Lally yeah. Lally
2: World. <laughs> he and I had a long conversation last night, actually, about Disney World and and the scope and and the detail and, yeah. and all of that. yes yeah. he was really into it. Totally.
3: Well, my dad, my dad um, was a was a government official for the city of Orlando, and was did that for a number of years. And was there before Disney came. Oh, wow. So my dad was a, an appointed official through four different mayors, which is unheard of in, in Orlando politics. In what area? Orlando. But so I mean, he, what, what kind of... Data processing. Data he was, processing? He plugged in the first computer in the city of Orlando. Wow. And so uh. he was able to do that. And so as part of that, Disney coming to town, you know, I mean, I watched I yeah. watched a TV show like every other kid. You know, I saw Disneyland through a TV screen. We yeah. never went to California. Um, and so Disney's coming to Orlando. Okay, big deal. You know, so as they get closer and closer, now we're in the 70s. I've been to the preview center. And so I remember the preview center, which is now the AAU building out there. Um, and so i have been to the preview center, I've seen the preview, I've seen the big model. And you know, in your head you think there's no way this is gonna be that good. Um, but what they allowed the city officials to do is to go in before the park opened, before opening day. And so we got to go out there and see it with very few people and we went at night it was an evening event and it was lit up and I mean, by the time i had gotten to the end of main street usa i was hook line and sinker this is the greatest place i have ever been in my life that's incredible and i never lost that feeling even even as a doll i mean I've, you know, I've got three kids and we've raised them all there best we could in the parks i worked there um like everybody else did in central florida you know i mean you gotta, you gotta get a job at disney at some point in your life and <laughs> and so i mean i, I I've just always just liked and, and so that detailed the history of it I became a Walt Disney history buff yeah. in a lot of ways and so love and I love history in general even while I've been up here I've been checking out I you was know, at Mary Todd Lincoln's house next door. I just found that out. Oh, that's fantastic you gotta go you gotta go. That's cool. Abe Lincoln was there. That's cool. I mean I, the great a great history I mean and so I'm I, I wish I could figure out how to use it in a book someday but it's it's it, I mean just fascinating stuff but so I like the details of You know, these things and the the offbeat places and the places that uh, you can't find it. One of the greatest finds I had, it was in the first book. If you were to go to Daytona Beach, over um, on the coast, there is a place that's over there um, that is now owned by the state of Florida called Gamble Place. Um, Procter & Gamble, that family, or Gamble owned that property. Um, Willed it to... um, his son-in-law ended up there, his name was Nipper, Judge Nippert, the wife died, the Gamble wife died. And so he was caught as a dad trying to raise his kids. Same year that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs came out. So he went many, many times, and then started paying engineers and builders to go to see the movie. When it was done, he reconstructed Snow White's, or the dwarf cottage that Snow White stayed in, on his property along with a hut that he called the Witch's Hut. And he put it right there on, um, on the creek that runs through there, that runs out toward the ocean. And so this is in a day and age where he's just trying to deal with grief and trying to find yeah. a way to pacify his kids. Um, come to find out, and this is not in the Disney history books. This came from obscure places, including the Gamble family. Um, Walt Disney visited there. And so while they always say, and, 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 it's a, and it's a great story. I mean, right, you know, Walt, Walt's dream of Disneyland started as he was sitting on a park bench watching his kids ride a, ride a, ride a merry-go-round thinking, that'd be a great place I for parents play. to go with kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's not where it started. I contend that for Walt Disney, huh, it started in that cottage in gamble place when he walked in because it was the first time in his entire life that he had made a film that someone had taken something from that soloid film and put in real life. All of a sudden, what he had placed on film as a drawing wow. had become real, and he was there. <laughs> and he gave he gave Judge Nipper a, a number of things that um, that became artifacts there. So, so when I was writing the book and I was researching the book, and again, this is not uh, I mean, obviously we're going to say it now, so it's going to be public knowledge. It was not it has not been major public knowledge, but um, when Gamble Place was picked up by the state of Florida, they had to kind of redo it. It's a it's a big massive property. There's a lot of stuff on it, and. Um, and so I went over there one day looking for this. I had heard about it through the weird Florida TV show that was on the Travel Channel or something. I'm like, there's, a, there's not a Snow White cottage over there on the coast. I would know about that. I grew up in Orlando, so I went looking for it. It's not on any map. Um, took me a, quite a while, but I found it, um, got over to it. And when I got there, of course, they're, it's under, you know, they're kind of remodeling the property. So, uh, but the gate was open. So I opened the gate, I went on in started wandering around. Um, took, oh, about an hour, and all of a sudden there's a guard that comes up and says, well, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm writing a book, and I'm looking around, and I I hear that there's a Snow White Cottage here. He goes, oh, yeah, there is. I'm like, can I see it? He goes, sure, I'll show it to you. Wow. This guy walks me into the Snow White Cottage. I'm thinking to myself. I was so close to getting arrested, I, I, I don't know how to explain this to anybody. I don't want to call home and say, I'm, I'm in jail in Daytona Beach, um, Come get me out of Slammer. Um, but um, uh, he showed me this thing. And, and I mean, I actually stood there and my jaw just kind of dropped down. And, and I was able to connect the story that I had already figured out to the place. And in that place were some of those artifacts that Walt had given the family. Wow. Now, and you could see them and they were given tours. Well, now, that, then it was bought by um, uh, oh, the um, museum out of New York. And they, they kind of purchased it and put it in their network and made it one of their properties. They do tours there now, but when they started advertising it, they were advertising it as a Snow White cottage. And Disney came along and said, no, 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 no. You can't use our stuff here. And so the Nippert family had to take back and take out of that cottage the artifacts that were there. So now if you go see it today, all that stuff that I write about in the first book that was in the cottage was really there. It's not there anymore, Wow. it's gone, um, but it was there. I saw it, I looked at it, I actually touched the picture. Um, it was, It was. I mean, it was phenomenal. And um, and at that point, I mean, and this was early on when I was just doing research, I didn't have a story yet. Then I thought to myself, okay, I got a story now. And that's actually where book one starts. Um, at our, that place our editor our editor picked up yeah you're going into a place that you're not supposed to be in and I'm thinking yeah this kind of parallels real life a little bit <laughs> um, but uh, but when it was done I mean she was absolutely she was absolutely right it was the best way to start the book everything else was just fluff before that but um, so we started right there awesome. a, a big chase scene starts he gets caught there he doesn't even know why he's there but he's been asked to show up there and so it becomes this great mystery mm-hmm. that kind of blows up from there but that place is real And um, I actually did a book signing over there. Cool. And um, people will come into that place to this day with that first book. They will actually go looking for this place uh, because that first book. And I mean, I, you know, and and that's 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 no Disney literature. I mean, you can't find that in any Disney travel book. You can't find that story anywhere else. But it's there and it is real. And um, I mean, and and there's a lot of stuff that's out there. Um, Walt's grandparents are buried up in an obscure cemetery. Uh, up in the middle of florida and it's the weirdest weirdest gravestone you've ever seen it's a tree it, it it's it's the trunk of a tree uh and it's the like co- a like
1: a stone trunk of a tree yeah, or a, stone, a real trunk of a tree
3: it looks like a real trunk of a tree but it's made of stone yeah and it's a and, it, and it's a, but it's his grandparents and he and roy had been there he and roy spent time in florida as kids and most of the disney travel logs don't don't include that story um, I found a picture in the state of Florida archives of Walt with his Aunt Henrietta, who is buried in that cemetery as well. And um, when you start doing research, all of a sudden you find out that this really strange, strange tombstone, I mean, this, this has a tie to Walt and Roy Disney. Uh, so uh, that, that shows up in another book. Um, you know, so I go cemetery digging in that book. And so, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, just finding these places that are out there that, that really are way off that beaten path that people don't understand the ties that Walt and Roy had to Florida to begin with. I mean, Florida wasn't an accident. Yeah, uh, they, they were familiar with the area before they ever flew over. Yeah. Um, and the only reason they were here is because <laughs> St. Louis shut them down. Yeah. Because Walt said, well, we're not gonna sell beer. <laughs> and Mr. Bush said, well, you, you know what we do here, right? I mean, yeah. We, the money comes from beer. And yeah. Also, well, we're not gonna sell it in our parks. And he goes, we're well, not gonna build a, your park here. And so, uh, okay, well, we'll find somewhere else. And so wow. so Walt, Walt is in an airplane um, when word comes that John F. Kennedy has been shot, and he's flying over the property, that he ultimately said, "This that'll do it. That's it. Um, that quick. Just looking out a window. Uh, he, you know, that's that's going to be the property. That's the one we're going to go with. Wow. And so I mean, it, it's just a, it's an amazing story. But they started looking for a place that they could open up year-round, kind of like California. We need somewhere that's warm enough to stay open. Um, and so that's kind of how they, they made it. But the connection to Florida was already here. The Disney family had been here. Walt's dad had been here for a number of years, or here up there for a yeah. number of years. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. So I mean, it's just a, a lot, a lot, to, a lot to a lot, to find, a lot to weave into the story. What's so, your
2: go oh, ahead? I was just going to say. So, uh, shifting a little bit, but um, our 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 tagline with this with this the, the conversations podcast, this podcast um, has has been. Uh, inspiring stories with interesting Christians and yeah. and you very much fit the the interesting Christians and <laughs> and uh, and so I just want to to kind of prod that in that um, I mean you've had you've obviously had a lot of of God moving in your life in in some unusual ways and so um, what what do you feel like is is uh, something that uh, that our listeners would would can resonate with in terms of what has um, what would inspire them that, that God has done in your life.
3: Well, I I, I am um I, it really even goes back to the very first meeting I have with the Imagineer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my conversation somewhere in that conversation it came out that you know I I get to tell the greatest story ever told every week. Yeah. How do I get people to remember that? And and I mean I I, I people laugh at me when I say this, but I. My heart quickens every time I drive down the driveway to our church because I am so amazed that God has called me to do what I do and to be involved in people's lives so their lives can change. And so for me, I'm one of those guys that uh, I'm very, I'm I'm humble about my calling. I'm confident in my faith. and And I'm not afraid to kind of step into the fire if I need to to communicate that, and I think that 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 there, uh, I I I know you can't you can't mold other people in your in your image, but I, I I long for the body of Christ to have a boldness, a holy boldness, Amen, to to speak though with with love and compassion, but also not to back away from truth, because you know to me, everyone talks about the culture and the culture's wacky. I mean, we live in a whacked out world, and I think that's part of you know end times, and I mean I, it, that makes sense, but. Um, you know, the culture is a kitty cat. Mm. You know, I think the culture is a kitten. Mm-hmm. But we as followers dare to slap the face of the lion of Judah Yeah. and cower before the kitten. And I think we need we need to flip that around a little bit. I like that. I think mm-hmm. we need to slap back at the kitty cat and be a little bit more respectful of the lion Amen. and recognize the fact that we have an, a sacred task yeah. in the world and we're telling a story that will change people's lives. Mm-hmm. And and. And once they change, I they that. never go back, yeah. they never go back. And so I even tell people, I, you know, I said, you know, I, I, I said, pastors always say they tell Bible stories. And I said, I've kind of backed away from that for a few years. I said, I'm talking about Bible history, which is yeah. one of the reasons I love history, because it's not stories. It's not a story. It's Di- a real deal. Disney's a story. Yeah. Disney tells stories. Yeah. I, I write stories. This is this is history. Yeah. And, um, and and we don't have to apologize for that. Yeah. It, this is this is the real deal that happened and it holds up. And so for me, the fact that I get to be that that one of those guys, I'm I, I'm overwhelmed and certainly not I never would have written that script myself. I wanted to be a student minister. Yeah. I wanted to keep going to youth camp and I wanted to keep <laughs> You wanted to be an, an athlete. Like, yeah, I wanted to be an athlete. I had, had tapped out so I wanted to be a student. Yeah. I wanted to do I wanted to play games. I wanted to I wanted to you know, invest my life in kids. Um, and and again, I'm, I'm those guys are they're the front lines guys to me. I mean they're that that's the toughest job in the world. Um, And I guess it just got too hard for me. So God said, you know, quit griping about the way they're doing church and try to mess it up yourself. And so I've done my best to mess it up. (laughs) So far, it's gone very well. Um, Um,
1: Movies and the arts are intriguing to me because so many people, songwriters, writer writers, literature writers, movies, you see so many depictions of the gospel from people who never intended to put them there. It's like the the gospel message is ubiquitous, it's true, mm-hmm. and it's it's so it ends up being in stuff that even the writers didn't mean to put it in and and God is somehow maybe causing that to happen or giving us glimpses we are able to identify glimpses of the
3: gospel everywhere someone someone said one time all of life is a biblical b- biblical illustration, yeah. I mean, good and bad, you know, even in the evil. I mean, there's something there that we can see to say, okay, well, we have pulled the veil back here. We see what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I and I think that for a follower, I mean, we we're able to see that because again, we, you know, we, we've kind of had that curtain pulled back. The lens is on where well, we're looking through that lens now yeah. if we're following. And I think that people that don't uh, explains a lot about the culture we live in. And, and I'm, I'm really upfront. I mean, I, I, we live in a broken world and I expect my expectation is that that people who don't know God, who are missing from God, um, they're gonna act like pagans. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna make choices that, that 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 fit whatever cultural worldview is going on, whatever relative truth that they're chasing, they don't care about the ultimate truth. I expect that. Yeah. From from those that don't know God. For followers though. Yeah. My expectation is the bar just went up, baby. And yeah. so we're, we're up here now. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, my fear is sometimes, has always been, that we as followers aren't even knocking off the low bar of faith. We're, you know, we, yeah. we stumble over trying to be kind, which is, I mean, that's the low bar of human existence, right? Anybody can be kind. Yeah. Yeah. We can't even do that well sometimes because yeah. we, we come off as so militant. So we've got to figure out how, how to let the Spirit change us and lead us because we're having conversations that are nudging people to the kingdom of God. And if I nudge and you nudge and you nudge, one of us might actually get them far enough where they're gonna hear it and get it get across the line. Mm. And that's my job, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nudging, and, and, that's, and my novels do that. My novels are not hyper-spiritual. I mean, I, in one of the novels I do a funeral. Someone wrote said, what you said in your fictional funeral is what I wish they would have said at my father's funeral. Wow. Well, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, but you know, but to be honest with you, the funeral, Seen in one of the books, is the easiest thing I think I've ever written, because I, I do funerals. I mean, that's yeah, part of my right. job. Right? Yeah, that's part of right. my calling. I so I mean, it's not. Okay, Jeff, you got to put a funeral. Okay, I can put a funeral together. So I wrote a funeral for one of my characters. Right, I buried a character. Uh, to me. I must admit it was, it was not, I, I wasn't thinking it was God inspired. I was like, get this thing done so we can get it to the end, um, <laughs> yeah. but, but it lives on. And, yeah. and then God kind of breathes into it and all of a sudden yeah. amazing things happen. And so, um, I, I think we need to learn to do that. So
1: one thing I was going to follow that up with is we see glimpses of truth in all this art and media that wasn't intended to be truth. What are glimpses of truth that you see in some Disney stuff?
3: Well, I, I think a lot of the early Disney stuff. I, I, there was a lot of it because it was always Walt. I mean, the, the premise of a good story is you know, there's going to be good versus evil. Yeah. Right? It's always going to be good versus evil, and so you've kind of got, you've always got that tension. Um, but then, for me, one of my favorite Disney films is the cartoon Aladdin,
1: mm.
3: um, A Whole New World. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and um, for I I I am a a firm believer in you know that ragtag street rap Has the opportunity to become something far greater, maybe even a prince. Yeah. Uh, And so, for me, Aladdin was a very, very very spiritual film, and so I think I preached it. I'm sure I've used a lot of my church will tell you. he, he has to work not to use a Disney illustration. Yeah. I mean, he's always doing something. I mean, we did a series last year on Jungle Cruise. We built a boat. I rode the yeah. Jungle Cruise boat into the worship center. You know, so I mean, so you know, we we used the, the film to to make some analogies there. Uh, so so for me, Aladdin is, is obviously a biggie. I mean, Pinocchio, uh, again, my gosh. I mean, Pinocchio is just like it's like it's like shooting ducks. I mean, Pinocchio, <laughs> you know, Pinocchio wants to, wants to do all the things in the world and turns into a donkey. I mean, mm. you know, you grow a tail, you grow the ears, you you, 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 you hee haw. I mean, at some point, you got it. You've right. got to decide if you're going to be a real boy. Um, you yeah. got to You got to cut those strings. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's yeah, there's, there's a great, lot of low hanging fruit there. Great, great, great truth in that, right? Oh um, boy. You know, Cinderella is that that classic story. Was Cinderella always a princess dressed in rags? Ah. Or does she become a princess after? You know, she was discovered. Well, she was always a princess. She was just dressed in rags and cleaning the floor, and she never knew it. The people around her never knew it, but the princess was always there. Yeah. And so, you know, and so all of those, those, a lot of that old classic stuff for me is, is just, that's just that's just easy ground to plow for, yeah. for, for kids and making life's life lessons, and and, and it's all there. I mean, you, you nailed it. I mean, in, in all of art, I mean, I think you can find an element that you can tie back to the spiritual. Um, because I mean God is the ultimate creator yeah he, he created us to be creative and he is the ultimate artist I mean, you know as we look at the world I mean my gosh he, he did it so anything we're doing now when it comes to art whether we realize it or not is we're imitating him and even if we're not if we're trying to do it bad or disrespectfully oh no He he's going to take it and use it I mean because he hits a straight lick with a crooked stick right mm-hmm. and so he's He's always doing. It. I mean, even even. I mean, even you get to the genre of. I mean, I. You know, I like mysteries, but I mean, you like, look at some of those shows that are even running today, out there like. Um, the, the Paramount's running one that's called Evil, and man, it's dark. It is a dark, dark show, and but yet it's one of the hottest shows in America right now. But I mean, it deals with the demonic and everything else. But hmm. yet at the same time, you have a lead character that's a priest, and it is a battle of good versus evil, and all of a sudden you're in the middle of watching that thing, and 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 if you do watch that thing, and I don't recommend it. <laughs> uh, you know, but but if you were to watch it and you were to see it, you could certainly come up with and you say, "Oh, yeah, but I, yeah, that 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 goes against Scripture here." And 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 then all of a sudden when they counter with something out of Scripture, you go, "Yes, that's exactly right." I mean that that, yeah. that makes sense, you know. And so it, there's that constant tension that's yeah. always there. And I think I think you can find it if you want if you want to. And God will reveal Himself in the midst of that stuff. Yeah. Well,
1: this is Jeff Dixon, and uh, how can people follow you, uh,
3: find you? hopefully they get your books (laughs) no they Um, can't there's a website called DixonOnDisney.com. they can go there and they can find me Uh, jeffdixon.org is out there floating around Um, that's easy i'm on facebook key of the kingdom books or dixon on disney they find me there um, and so I'm, you know, I, I reluctantly do social media, but here's the deal. If you go to see, follow me on social media, I'm not going to show you what I'm eating for breakfast. I'm not going to show you if I'm in the beach. I don't, you don't care about that. And I don't care about showing you that um, everything you're going to get is Disney stuff. It's no. always a Disney reference. So cool. I'm very much on, on task. And there's a, and uh, depending on when uh, your listeners hear this, I mean, there's an app that we're developing for the new book. That's coming out in about six months on, on the Apple oh, play store. Excellent. And so that's gonna be it's a, lot of, a lot, of fun. And so we're looking forward to that. We're Do you know the name of that yet? Not yet. Okay. Um, but we're, okay. we're, we're, we're working on that. So we'll, yeah, we'll send you the links when it comes out because yep. it, it's sure. gonna be fun and it ties into the book, but a lot of the hidden mysteries of Disney and stuff like that. So, um, I think, I think it's gonna be a good time. One last
1: question: yeah. Have you had any run-ins licensing and trademark-wise with Disney, and how have you stayed on the right side of that?
3: Uh, always, always a struggle. Uh, I have a publisher that is daring, and knew from day one it would be interesting. Um, if you look at the artwork on the books, um, they, are, they are close to the icon, but not quite. Um, they are tweaked, oh. but it's not, it's not the iconic Mickey head on the end of our key. It's, 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 it's very distorted, it, it does, it's a little squattier than it needs to be. It's not the real deal. Um, and, so, and that's close enough? Close enough. You also are not allowed to use what they consider an icon. And so the icons are Cinderella's castle, Mickey Mouse, Spaceship Earth, anything that's iconic, that's a no-no. That can't show up on the cover of your book. Now, anything that has a Disney-related type look, um, you can get away with. My first book, we sweated it out. Disney Legal vetted the book, and <laughs> I thought, this is it. This is the end. It's not going to make it through. Um, and so, let's put it this way. They did not grant permission, but they did not cease and desist it. And so it is one of those things because it, because the books inevitably drive people to the parks. Yeah. I mean they're not they're not bashing Disney. Even the new one's not bashing Disney. It's just suggesting an alternate universe that, that you know there's a different way to do things. Yeah. Um, and and so I can't I can't make Mickey Mouse for example tear his head off in the park and, and hit somebody some kid in the head with it. You're not allowed to do that. You can't do things with Disney characters because all my characters are not Disney characters. Right. They're my characters. Right. I just put them in real places. Yeah. And so there's a real fine line that you have yeah. to watch. And we look at that really close to make sure that I haven't done something that's going to violate a Disney principle or rule. And they're out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to kind of research that and make sure, okay, how close are we getting here? Are we not? But for the most part, it's pretty easy now because we're just putting them into in the places. We're describing the places.
2: Yeah. By book six, I'm sure you've kind of gotten used to what you can and can't it's do. It's a little bit and, easier now.
3: Yeah. Um, but the first one, the publisher... I think really did expect, and they're in fairness, you know, they said, we're going to take a chance on this. But I think they expected to hear you're going to have to stop. And at that point, you know, you stop because, you, you know, no one, no one goes to battle with Disney and wins. They have more right, money. Right, right. Um, but but uh, at the end of the day, they legal legal passed it through. So Unless their name's Ron DeSantis. I think, I, I, you know, I, I hesitate to say that I love the Gov. Um, I just, I, you know, I, I, have, I have a good time watching his battle with Disney because I think he gets up in the morning. And he says, "How can I tweak <laughs> Disney today?" And um, and and when you live in Florida like I do, um, it's gotten to the point now where Desantis is so much, he is so large larger in life, and he is he is greatly loved in Florida, because during the pandemic, oh. I tell you what, that guy, I, I laughed. I said, I, I wrote him. He's actually on my mailing list, one uh, of one of the e letters we send out, and um, I said, uh, "Sir, I just want you to know that because you opened us up during the pandemic when the rest of the country shut down." Yep. You'll have my vote next time around. Yeah, I mean, I, I will vote for you. Um, yeah, unashamedly, I, you know, I you're the man. I mean, you, you've yeah. done this thing right, and um, and I know that causes people across America to go, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. But but now we've gotten to the point in Florida where when he's getting ready to do something, they will release a press release the night before, and it comes out something like. Get ready. Tomorrow, Governor DeSantis is getting ready to make the liberal media's head explode. It happens at 10 o'clock. I mean, he teases it up the night before now. Because he knows. Wow. He knows the kind of reaction he's going to get. And he's going to be on every national show. So, I mean, either he is incredibly savvy when it comes to politics or his handlers are really, really good. And I don't know who it is. Yeah. Because he has figured out how to make this thing work for him. Wow. Where, I mean, I you know, if I I am I am I'm of the persuasion if Donald Trump does not run, which seems unlikely to me, I think he's going to run, but if he doesn't announce that he's going to run, I think DeSantis is going to run.
1: Which stinks if you're in Florida, because he's a great governor. Right, you're going to lose governor? Lose your governor, yeah. I thought of one other question. You mentioned that this is a hobby. Mm -hmm. Is this a hobby you can make good money
3: at? Well, you've you got to find good money. It's not John Grisham money, let me tell you that. Um, it's uh, a... <laughs> you know, I I, I always t- explain it to people that for me, it's been the kind of thing that I, I'm able to uh, make Christmases a little bit nicer. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it In my house, it's kind of fun money when it, it needs yeah. to be, and also emergency money Yeah. When it doesn't need to be. It also opened up the door um, to the University of Kentucky. Uh, yeah. What happened is that the, the guy here said... I got an email one day and he said, Hey, you write Disney novels, and I heard on a podcast that you like Kentucky basketball. Is that true? I said, yeah, that's true. I'm a big fan. I mean, my dad grew up in Kentucky. I'm, I've been here a lot. You know, this is, this, this is home, second home to me. He goes, Can you write about basketball? I said, I don't know. He said, Write me something up. So I wrote him a, a, an article. Next day, I got a thing that said, Would you like to write for us at the University of Kentucky? Um, you can cover football and basketball. I said, I'm, I'm not going to watch Kentucky football, but I'll watch Kentucky basketball because I do that now. And he goes, well, you can, you can come to Lexington and watch, or you can watch it from home because every game is on TV. And I said, let me make sure I understand what you're asking me. You're asking me to walk in and tell my wife, I have to watch Kentucky basketball, <laughs>
0: which I was going to do anyway.
3: And so I, everyone needs to be quiet. Because I'm working right now, <laughs> and then I'm going to write something, and then you're going to pay me for that the next day. And he goes, "Yeah, that's what I'm saying." I'm like, "Oh, where where do I sign up?" <laughs> yeah. and so so I've, I've I've been working with them now for a few years and loving it. I mean, it, that's so, awesome. Again, just a hobby. Again, because of the. Do you do game. anything with football?
1: No. Okay. I mean, I love football. They're not I, bad anymore. They no, ju- no, they're good. They just beat the Hawkeyes in the Capital One Bowl last year, and I wasn't happy about that. No, I, well,
3: and, and there's a big controversy up here. And that's in here. your city. It is. It came to Orlando. I saw it. I was there. Yeah. Um, but they, there's a big controversy right now because yeah. I guess Coach Cal, when he was in the Bahamas, made this rip on – and, and somebody asked me about that today. Um, it was actually, it's a guy that's here that actually – It's about play. a basketball school, right? Well, yeah. yeah and, and I said, I said all Coach Cal did was say what everyone, everyone in Kentucky knows. knows.
1: I, mean, I know now
3: he shouldn't have said it and and I understand that insulted the football program but everybody that heard it here goes yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. We, wait for, we wait for football season to get over with. It's like saying basketball. Alabama's
1: football school. I mean, duh. Yeah,
3: it is. It is. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Why? Why? You know, The I, thing is, is that the football program here, somebody told me
1: they've had 10 wins in the last three years, so yeah. they're getting better. They're great. And so it's kind of a slap in the face. The, the head coach here for football, Mark Stoops, is from Iowa. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. Stoops he, is he, great. He played at Iowa.
3: Yeah. He's fantastic. I mean, he's, he's a good coach. And, and they're and doing a
1: great job. Well,
3: and, and what they don't know. I mean, people, and I think people forget, uh, you know, Cal Perry is at every football game. I mean, he stands on the sidelines. I mean, he's, you know, he he, he does a good job here. I mean, he sells the school 50 yeah. times. Yes. So I think he was in the Bahamas this week with the team in that tournament they're in. They're winning by 50. I think someone catches him in a bad moment. And yeah. I think he has this little blurt out that, you go. Man, I wish I just had to send that. You know, you just think just yeah. should have kept my mouth shut. I I think that's you can chalk it up to that. I yeah. think he and I think he and, uh, stoops gonna be fine. I,
2: I have a little I have a little devious theory that I think that they've kept the feud going. Uh, that Stoops has kept a few going on purpose to to put a chip on the football team's shoulder and give them a little extra extra motivation for the season. I, I,
3: you may be right because I, I think Kentucky's basketball team, from what the early look is, they're, they're horses. I mean, they're gonna be tough. Oh yeah, they're gonna be tough. Yeah. So I, I I agree. I think I think they're playing it up a little bit. I think we're all right.
1: Jeff, thanks for your time. Thank thanks you. for stopping by, and we hope to see you in Orlando. Yeah, yeah at, definitely. We'll do it at some point. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. I look forward to it. All right. God's blessings on what you're doing. Thank you.
0: to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit Conference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number 2, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links. And remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you. And thanks again for listening.